The SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and receive a $500 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by PickWise. PickWise is the number one home of free sports betting picks. Visit PickWise.com to make your next bet better. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at underdogfantasy.com with promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in Best Ball Mania 2 for a chance to win $1 million. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app. SGPN is giving you a chance to win $100,000 in NFL Week 1 exclusively on the SGPN app. What's up, fellow football fans? Rod Gomez here. It is another episode of the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Of course, I'm your host. You can find me on Twitter at RJ Gomez Today, me and Scott Reichel, we're just going to fly some solo. He, he was so gracious enough to step in today, and uh, we are going to... We're, we don't need a scorekeeper, right, Scott? I think we're good on our own. We don't need somebody telling us how good we are. Well, we don't have a judge. We don't have somebody instigating what we got right or got wrong. Shout out to you, Adam. So, yeah, I think we'll keep it peaceful. I think we'll have a nice conversation. I think so, too. I think sometimes we can take the competitiveness out of it and just have a nice civilized discussion about some fantasy football. And I think that's exactly what we're going to have today. Although we will keep the three minute timer uh, that will stay in effect and we will keep the 10 topics. We just we just don't need anybody judging us today, Scott. I think the world has enough people judging. Uh, We're just going to do without it this time. And I think if they don't like it, then they can judge us for it. Sounds good to me. All right, perfect. All right, well, we're going to load up three minutes on the clock today. Scott and I are going to talk about, uh, well, the, we've had a week of preseason football now, or in some cases, you want to say two. I don't know. Some teams have played two. Some teams have played one. But now is the time to overreact, and that is exactly what we're going to do today and move some folks up or move some folks down in our, I don't want to say rankings, but in our preferences, as it were, fantasy football style. After one week of play, in the preseason. So, uh, Scott, I got three minutes loaded. Let us start my friends with somebody who I wanted on my team didn't get, but now is looking decent in his new team. And that's Justin Fields. Are we moving him up? Are we moving him down? Or are we keeping him the same in, uh, our, our ranking, Scott? I moved him up. Uh, just looking at pretty much all of the rookie quarterbacks played over the weekend. I don't want to kind of spoil some of the names we're going to get to, but, I'll start off with Justin Fields. Uh, I thought he looked really good. Then again, when you're against backup defenses, you're supposed to look good if you're going to be that highly sought after of a pick. But the thing about Fields is that in comparison to Dalton, it's night and day just based on the athletic ability. And Chicago, we can agree, putting it mildly, they've needed a spark for a long time. I think that's one way to put it. And Dalton's not that guy. I understand that he's had a pretty successful NFL career. Of course, he's never wowed anybody, but he's had some good numbers, some good seasons with Cincinnati. But at the end of the day, Fields gives you another wrinkle, and you got to see that against Miami because he had the rushing touchdown. He was effective, 14 for 20 in the pocket, 142 passing yards, one touchdown, 33 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. I thought he looked great. I actually moved him up a couple of rankings. Now, when it comes to actual drafting, I actually did a piece for SGPN on an early quarterback type of draft breakdown and maybe I went a little radical I like the idea of taking fields as a flyer late and potentially flipping him as soon as he wins the starting job because I might not want to put all my faith into a rookie quarterback once it's a a dynasty league of course but I do think there's enough people in your league who will be desperate enough for the upside that you could take him late maybe flip him for a wide receiver or position of need somewhere later on but he should have a market if he gets any type of starting ability of starting, I'd say, potential 
or just reps in general if Dalton doesn't work out. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like 142 yards in his first outing, he was one of the top quarterbacks out there uh, in the preseason action. And of course, you know, that that's a few snaps here and there. But as far as rookies are concerned, I really do think that he lived up to the billing of what he was supposed to be. And again, I really wish that the Niners would have taken him instead of Trey Lance because I feel like he is the guy that I, I wanted to see. This is why with these rookie quarterbacks, and of course we're going to talk about soon, I wanted to see something from them. You know, we see them in college, that's great, but in the NFL, it doesn't always translate. And so when you see that first preseason game, of course you're going to overreact, right, or underreact or whatever. That's that's the nature of the beast. But with a guy like Fields, I don't think you're overreacting to move him up now in the ranks. Now that you've seen some actual game action uh, as the quarterback uh, of the Chicago Bears, right? You've, you've seen him before in other capacities capacities, but now as the, as a quarterback of the Chicago bears, he looks good. And I think he looks good enough to, like you said, take out, take Andy Dalton's place sooner rather than later. And I just feel like if we're moving up Justin Fields, you're, you're fully justified. Now, again, this is one of those situations where in, in a, in a, I guess if you're drafting in a redraft situation, I, I wouldn't go after him way early, but like you said, wait around till the back ends. And if he's still there, then I would grab him for insurance or quite possibly a trade piece, exactly like you said. No shame in flipping anybody. You can talk about how late-round picks you don't want to waste. Truth is, most of the late-round picks probably aren't going to be on your roster past like week five. So if you want to actually draft somebody that you can maybe flip later on, take a guy with upside. Yep, and maybe this is another guy as we move on to another rookie quarterback that had a sensational at least play. I mean, he, he looked good on the outset anyways, but uh, Trey Lance, the one that the Niners did take. Initial thoughts on Trey Lance, Scott, because I don't... He changed my mind a little, but just, like I said with Fields, how he showed me something, Trey Lance showed me something, but I don't. I still don't know if he showed me enough. So what are you thinking? Well, you kind of stole my thunder when he said that he had a tremendous play. That's kind of how I would sum up his entire outing because to go through the numbers here, he went five for 14, 128 passing yards and one touchdown. Now five for 14 jumps off the page for all the wrong reasons. We know that plus he was sacked four times. So not only was he throwing in completions, he also held onto the ball too long, which is concerning. Of course, we had the one touchdown, the 80 yarder. If you take that out of the equation, he went four for 13 for 48 yards, no touchdowns, sacked four times. So he looked like a rookie quarterback that needs a lot of practice reps, which makes sense because he played, what, one college game in the span of about two years. So I'm not surprised he struggled in the live action against quality athletes. Now, do I think that he is going to win the starting job at some point in the season? Maybe but I don't think he's ready to take it week one. And I think that that definitely show, showed itself that he's still extremely raw. And even though he looked great for one play, then again, it was a good throw. The guy was also kind of wide open on a deep crossing pattern. So I'm not going to exactly overreact to it. Do I like Garoppolo? No, but he's a steady guy who knows the playbook. He's been there for a couple of years. I think Lance is going to have a lot of growing pains and you have a choice. You can either a throw him under the fire and see how he handles it or B, groom him for a year and see what happens next year, I think the 49ers are increasingly going to look at the latter option if Garoppolo stays healthy. You? Yeah, that's exactly it. And for me, grooming him for the year is something I've been preaching. And again, you saw exactly why you need to continue to groom him. The The speed of the NFL is, is not the speed of the FCS. And so what you need to figure out is whether or not you want to put this guy in in where the bullets are flying a hell of a lot faster than he's used to. And he has shown you in that play that he's capable of good things. But then again, anybody is capable of one good play out there. I mean, these guys are all talented for a reason and they can, they all showed that they can do something at least once Trey did that. But now he's got to continue to do it again. He's going to get chances in the preseason, that's for sure. But in, in, for me, Jimmy Garoppolo and, and all the reports out here are saying exactly the same thing, that this is going to be his team. There's not going to be any quarterback controversy going into the season. Uh, and hopefully that stays that way. And I'm, I'm hoping that at the very least, this isn't just coach speak saying Jimmy's our guy. We're sticking with Jimmy because I feel like Trey needs a lot more seasoning than a Justin Fields would. And I, I'm not moving Trey up in my rankings yet, 
I need to see it again, and I need to see maybe two more times uh, as the preseason comes to a close to maybe think about moving him up in my rankings. But right now, it's obviously Jimmy G's team, and Trey is just going to stick somewhere in that you know quarterback three flyer range. Yeah, I think I moved him up a tad just because of some guys who underwhelmed me in the first preseason game. So it was kind of just moving up and down. We're going to talk about one of those guys in a minute. But I thought Lance showed flashes. That's what you look for. Truth is, with all rookies, you're looking for two things. One, show flashes. B, don't embarrass yourself. And I feel like that's kind of the main goal when you have actual young players getting serious playing time in preseason. I didn't think Lance embarrassed himself, but he definitely had some struggles Fields looked a lot better. Let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. No, and and to me, that's that's again when I when I broke them down in the preseason, I wanted Fields. I didn't necessarily want Lance, but you get what you get, and sometimes you just got to deal with it. Speaking of getting what you get, Zach Wilson, <laughs> get what you get out of Zach Wilson. But I want to know, Scott, did we get what we thought we were going to get out of Zach Wilson? Overall, I thought it was a pretty consistent vanilla performance. There wasn't really much to talk about. Went six for nine for 63 yards. The completion percentage was there. Just did a really good job of balancing the run in the pass. A lot of play action opportunities, a lot of quick reads. And Wilson looked composed. Now, did that have to do with the fact that all the reads were predetermined? That have to do with the fact that the Giants didn't really blitz anybody and played stock coverage, you know? I'm sure. I'm sure that definitely helped. But Wilson looked comfortable. He looked like this wasn't exactly too much for him. The speed seemed fine. He was on time with most of his progressions and most of his actual ball releases, I thought, were timed well. I thought he looked fine, but if you're expecting big things from Wilson this year, you probably have to wait maybe two years because this takes him fully adjust to the playbook, and the Jets also don't exactly have many great weapons around him. They're improving compared to the weapons Darnold had around him, but I still think Wilson's going to be okay the bright spot about him compared to the other quarterbacks is that he's guaranteed playing time because going to get the keys to the car as soon as it's week one, whether he should or not. So if you want to take him late in a fantasy draft, I can understand it solely because of the potential volume. Do I see much upside there? Not really. He kind of strikes me as a guy who might throw one touchdown per game, maybe a little bit more than that, maybe finish around 20, maybe low 20s. I do think he makes good reads. Though, So I think he'll keep the interceptions relatively low, but if your team's getting killed almost every game, then at some point you're going to have to put up some garbage time numbers, which could help him. But I thought Wilson looked okay. Did I think he looked amazing? No, but he didn't really need to. He took what was given to him, and that's kind of what you have to do half the time. What do you think? Yeah, and that's the thing, too. When when you th- This guy was in the conversation, right? I mean, there were people... Obviously, Trevor Lawrence was deemed number one. But there were people that were trying to sneak Wilson into that conversation of being the guy to take first, right? I mean, there was folks that were actually making that argument. But again, I don't think he proved to anybody that he should have been number one. Um, and, and he's taking over a Jets team that is not that good. So it's hard. Yep. And, and that's why I think we get sort of caught up as fans of, of football and, and especially fantasy football is these guys that come into these situations, these highly touted quarterbacks that come out of college and they're, they're the best at they, what they were in college. And then they come to a team because of their draft pick that is Bad. And they're expected to turn these teams around and only a fraction of them, only a fraction of those guys can take the terrible teams and flip them into the teams that are dominant for years to come. And that's a very hard task to ask for a 22 year old guy to do a 21 year old guy to do here. Take this franchise that has sucked for the last three or four years, which is why you've got so many number one draft picks and make them into a really good team. And I think Zach Wilson's not going to be able to do that right off the bat. Will he eventually? I don't know. The Jets have been bad for a pretty long time, so it's going to take a really transcendent uh, um, talent to make that happen, and I'm not sure we're looking at that in Zach Wilson. Again, another guy I'm not moving up. I wouldn't move him down. I'll probably just keep him right where he's at in my rankings. Yeah, I moved him up a little bit for the playing time aspect, and I thought that he looked relatively comfortable, but at the end of the day, if I was grading his performance in we- in the preseason, i give him a B-. minus. He didn't do anything to wow me, but he also didn't screw anything up. And I feel like if your play calls are set on throwing a lot of quick passes, trying to beat, you know, some man-to-man coverage, some zone, but mostly getting getting the ball out of your hands quickly, I thought he did that well, but there weren't any serious deep shot opportunities. So 
It was a vanilla game plan. He played it pretty well. I'll give him a B minus. Yep. Just like my draft from last week, uh, B minus is what Zach Wilson gets. Uh, so we have that in common. Uh, speaking of B minuses, I, I don't know if this is the grade I would give Mac Jones, but I would definitely not really give him an A plus. Uh, but he, I think he has done enough to spark a little bit of quarterback controversy over there as if there wasn't already one in New England. What are you thinking about that one, Scott? So I'm not really sure if Mac Jones played extremely well against Washington or if Cam Newton looked so bad that Mac Jones looked like he was the next Tom Brady because Cam Newton was awful in that entire first quarter. And people aren't going to really talk about it because the ending stat lines for Cam didn't look great, but you know they could have been worse. The average depth of target. So in other words, how far are you throwing the ball down the field? Mac Jones, 7.6 yards. Cam Newton, 0.7. Can you throw the ball downfield, Cam Newton? Like, you can't even throw it past one yard. Like, that's a problem. So, in terms of grades, I'm giving Mac Jones an A-. minus. I thought he looked comfortable. Then again, he's against backups. But I moved him up in the rankings in my, uh, you know, the thing that we do every week for SGPN because I don't think Cam Newton should ever be a starter again unless there's an injury to the starting quarterback because his arm is totally cooked. I know I've talked about uh, Ben Roethlisberger in past podcasts and how I thought he might have a noodle arm. I think Cam Newton has the biggest noodle arm left in the league. He can't throw the ball. And I do think that eventually Belichick's going to get fed up, and I think that Mac Jones is going to end up starting at some point. There's just not much left. I know you can talk about Cam Newton and how he wakes up at 3 a.m. every day and he has coffee at 6 a.m. and he sprints to, you know, to the facility and he practices. That's great. He can't throw the ball. I'm I'm not, I'm sorry. Am I wrong? Am I being harsh? Maybe. But everything I've seen from Cam Newton since the Seattle game last year suggests to me he arguably shouldn't be in the league anymore. Am I missing something? No, nah, the novelty of Cam Newton is not one that I think Bill, Bill Belichick even... I don't want to say he didn't want, because obviously he's there, so he wanted him. But I don't think... I think it's like one of those things where you buy uh, something that you, you really are hyped about, and you think that it's a great opportunity or a great something that you bought, and then you open the package and it's completely different than what you thought. I think that's what we're getting out of Cam Newton with Bill Belichick. I think he thought maybe he was getting... The Cam Newton that everybody fell in love with back in the day, right? Ripping off his Superman and getting all excited about it. But that's not the Cam Newton that you got. I mean, it's a shell of a guy that used to play the quarterback position. And you're right. He can't throw the ball uh, downfield right now. And the running ability, when you're one-dimensional, you're going to get figured out real quick. So um, I, I am going to move Mac Jones up in my rankings as well because this guy is going to start. And I gave it six games, I think is what I gave it before um, uh, Cam Newton was sat and, and Mac Jones would come in. And I'm thinking that that might be a little high at this point. We might be seeing week three, week four after an 0-3 start for the Patriots. So, yeah, I mean, this one's a good one to watch. I can't get over 0.7 yards per attempt in the air. Are you serious? Yeah. Really? You can't throw one deep pass? You can't throw one two yards? Yeah. I mean, come on. You can't you can't even throw a ball to a tight end at 0.7 yards. That's that's ridiculous. You're th- Did you hear the report about uh I believe it was the Eagles who are in the middle of a joint uh training a joint practice with New England. And there was actually a story that came out where New England had two straight dump off passes to the running back with Newton at quarterback, and somebody on the Eagles secondary screamed out, Check down King, watch the running back. And the next pass, Cam Newton threw it to the running back. <laughs> oh, God. See, he's getting figured out. Uh- that or not but i did i saw that on twitter yesterday and i'm i thought to myself you know that doesn't surprise me but i'm disappointed yeah no and it's it's gonna be listen this offense is gonna be harsh to watch for at least the first couple of games until they get it uh either mac jones comes in or they get it figured out so um look i threw this next name on because there has been talk and i've heard some talk that this might actually be the better quarterback on his team. XFL fans know him from his days with the Houston Roughnecks, uh, but PJ Walker is making some noise. Is it good noise? Are we putting him on the board because of this, or is this just a preseason overreaction, Scott? I'm rooting for him. He got hosed of an XL MVP because the league folded, so that's not a fun time. But looking at the overall roster breakdown, he's competing with Sam Darnold 
And we know Darnold did not play in the first preseason game. We also know that he has had a pretty rocky beginning to his NFL career, not to mention all the injuries, the mono. Everyone knows the seeing ghost stuff. He's had a lot of events go on during his career. I think Walker has a lot of talent. I'm not going to sell him short with that. Having said that, he also only completed 47.6% of his passes in the first preseason game. I know he provided a bit of explosiveness, and I get that, but can he at least complete 50% of his passes before we talk about him as a potential starter in the NFL? <laughs> we can, but here's the thing about PJ Walker too, is that uh, it, when, when you watched him in the XFL, he wowed you because I now I'll make this comparison because we just talked about the guy, but he almost reminded you of a of a Cam Newton, right? Of a Cam Newton back in the day where Cam Newton could complete passes down the field, where he could uh, elude rushers with his, his legs. And, and PJ Walker had all of those tools, I think, that made you say, wow, when you watched him play. Now, did that translate stat-wise? Not always, but the play on the field left you feeling like you were watching more than I think what the box score had at the end. And I think that's what PJ Walker has. And that's what he, I think that's what he did for everybody uh, who watched him. Cause I saw a lot of folks singing PJ Walker's praises. Um, even the folks that didn't know him from the XFL days. And, and I feel like, yeah, Sam Darnold is obviously going to be the guy, but I don't know, Scott, is there a path for PJ Walker to take over that team? Uh, I think there is. I mean, if you want to look through the fact that Darnold has been injured each of his previous seasons in the league, then there's an assumption that Darnold at some point will get injured or benched in the regular season. But I'm not trying to roast Walker. I think it's a great story, and I understand that he was good in preseason. But I think we would agree that 47.6% completion is not going to fly if you're going to be competing against other starters on the defensive end. So he's got to definitely work on the accuracy. But he's mobile. Uh, you mentioned a Cam Newton comparison, but I think you just meant, you know, the mobile ability to extend plays. I kind of see a college version of like a Taylor Martinez or a Tyrod Taylor at Virginia Tech kind of vibe there. I think he's fine. Do I think he's going to win you many games? No, but I do think he'll be more entertaining than Darnold. And Darnold, we would agree. Is it time to call him a bust? Because I know people are trying to hold out hope that he's still very young and how maybe he can turn it around. I haven't seen anything from Darnold in the span of about four years or so. Is it time that people just wave the flag on him? I, I think at this point, if 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 you get halfway into this season and you start to see the Sam Darnold of old, or if you don't even see him on the field because he is hurt, I think it's absolutely time. I think it might have been beyond time, but maybe you give him a change of scenery. Maybe you give him the opportunity to lead a team that's not the Jets, and maybe you see what you get out of him. But... Um, I don't know. I, again, I think you're right because he didn't do it before the, the Jets either. So maybe it could be time for us to, to be calling him a bust. Uh, what is not a bust is the opportunity for you to benefit from a lot of these ads that we got coming up. So we're going to hit those. Come back. We got five more to go through. Uh, are we moving them up? Are we moving them down? Are we keeping them the same? These players are folks that should be on your radar as we quickly approach national fantasy football draft day back with more right after this are you ready to win money and boost your odds WinBet is now live in colorado indiana michigan new jersey tennessee and virginia and we're bringing the excitement of win las vegas to online sports betting and casino play exclusive rewards right at your fingertips get in on all your favorite teams players sports from the nfl nba mlb nhl golf mma wnba college football and more great promos odds and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sports we have what you need to win tell me are you ready to play i know you are sign up today you'll receive a special offer it's a risk-free bet of up to 500 in sports bets download bet win download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning as always we're brought to you by prop swap america's number one app to buy and sell sports bets football season is about to kick off and prop swap is here to make this your best season ever with prop swap your bet literally doesn't even need to win most cases you gotta win not with prop swap all it's got to do is improve you just need to improve your bet to make money how simple is that for example 
last year. The Buffalo Bills were 35-1 to to win the Super Bowl. After they reached the AFC Championship game, a prop swap customer who bet $100 on the Bills, it wasn't Adam, folks, I know, before the season, sold that ticket for $900. Adam probably wishes he would. That is an 800% return for the seller on a ticket that ended up losing. Think of prop swap like the stock market, but for sports betting. Buy low, sell high. The average seller on PropSwap makes over $500 a month just listing and selling tickets. And when making your bets, remember to go for two. Make two tickets on the same team so you can sell one for a profit, but also keep one and leave yourself some skin in the game. Get started today. Go to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. PropSwap is where America buys and sells sports bets. PickWise is the number one home of free sports betting picks, props, and parlays helmed by a team of trend-watching, data-devouring sports fanatics giving you the who, how, and why behind every prediction. From every game, every day, and every sport, all for free. Visit PickWise.com to make your next bet better. PickWise backs responsible gambling. If you or someone you know wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The summer of soccer continues on Paramount+. Plus. Stream over 2,000 soccer matches a year from around the world. That's all the heart-pounding drama from CBS Sports, including UEFA Champions League, Europa League, Italian Serie A, Argentina's Primera División, the Brasilia AO, NWSL, the Asian Football Confederation, and the CONCACAF qualifiers, featuring the stars from the U.S. and Mexican's men's national teams, plus much more. It's the best of the beautiful game with all the beautiful names like Messi, Mbappe, Ronaldo, Rapino, and Pulisic. Be a part of the excitement as champions are crowned and history is made. The world's game lives here on Paramount Plus. Visit Paramount Plus to start your free trial and stream every match live. If you have not already, you need to head over to underdogfantasy.com right now. Use the promo code SGPN for a free $25. That's right. Sign up now. You're going to get a free shot to win $1 million. So download the app and sign up at underdogfantasy.com promo code SGPN. And of course, please make sure you download the SGPN app. It is live now in the App Store and the Google Play Store. Not only does the app give you easy access to all of our picks and our podcasts, but it is the go-to source for this SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast and all of your favorite Sports Gambling Podcast Network shows on the network. So do not forget to toss us an app review and download the SGPN app today. Five down, five to go. We are talking about players that we are overreacting to in one way, shape, or form. Well, maybe not overreacting. I got a pro here. Scott doesn't overreact. Scott does exactly what he needs to do, when he needs to do it, and nobody can tell him different. But uh, for me, on the other hand, I'm definitely overreacting on some of these uh, preseason performances from some of these players. Again, we just talked about Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, P.J. Walker, but now... We move on to some of the other positions that aren't quarterbacks. Uh, let's start first with uh, Ramondre Stevenson. I, there's a lot of buzz about this guy. Please walk me through him and why people should recognize this name and whether or not they should be targeting him on draft day. Well, first of all, you might remember him from Oklahoma in college. He was more of a physical bruiser who has, I'd say, deceptive quickness, if that's a way to put it. He's not exactly the guy who's going to burn you to the outside but he's the kind of guy who can run inside the tackles and can also occasionally beat a defensive back on the edge. But anyway, looking at the first game that he had with New England against Washington, he looked good. He had 10 carries, 127 yards, and two touchdowns. Now he also had the 91-yard touchdown when they were trying to run out the ball with less than a minute to go. So his stats looked a lot worse about, I don't know, a minute left in the game as opposed to zero seconds left in the game. But do it through the numbers before the 91-yard touchdown. He had nine carries for 36 yards and one touchdown. So he still performed pretty well, four yards per carry, one touchdown before he broke one. But I think the upside has to do with the fact that New England hasn't really had a bruiser since LeGarrette Blunt left. And people know how big of a role LeGarrette Blunt had with those teams. Now, I'm not saying Dame, uh, Damon Harris is exactly a small running back, but Stevenson is definitely bigger. And I think he's more physical than Harris, who's also had injury issues in the past. Now, am I interested in drafting him? No, because I hate trying to decipher Belichick running backs in terms of fantasy. That's an absolute disaster. So I'm not going to bother. But would I be shocked if he gets more run 
middle of the season when Harris has an injury or something like that. No, but I was impressed with what I saw earlier. Then again, I am aware that the stats definitely had the outlier carry to end the game, which made it look ridiculous. But I think you, I think you're going to end up agreeing with me. He had a pretty good game. I'm not going to buy on him because. I never buy in any Belichick running backs besides James White, but that's pretty much it. You? Yeah, and that's the thing, too. I, again, and I, I hit this every week, and, I, and maybe if you're a new listener, you haven't heard me say this, but we don't. We bring these names up because these are the names that you see on Twitter. These are the names that you see on social media because they do things like bust a 90-yard run, and you go, oh, well, this guy must be good. But we want to bring you and make you aware of things like that was a run, yes, but uh, he had six more before that, and they weren't all 90-yard touchdowns. Uh, but I will echo that you you did say that he was a bruiser, and that one touchdown run that he had from just outside what was it like ten yards out or, or nine yards out, wherever it was, that was a that was a good solid touch. He looked like he just bulldozed his way through the line. And you're right, I don't think that New England has had a back like that since Legarrette Blount. And and I mean, Damian Harris, people are going to draft him. So if you are a, a handcuff type of a guy, if you're somebody that, that drafts handcuffs or, or a, a gal and you draft handcuffs, maybe this is the guy that you might target as the handcuff because he's showing a little bit of a of flash. And I think if he can continue it through the preseason, and if you start drafting now within the next couple of weeks before the next uh, preseason game, and if he does this again, if you've drafted him before the hype, uh, you're not going to get him as cheap as you can get him if you draft him like now. But like Scott said, buyer beware with any running back that wears the red, white, and blue of the Patriots. I'd say except for maybe a James White because you know he's guaranteed to have a pass catching role. And if Newton's going to actually start, I expect a lot of dump off passes to the running back. So that should, you know, of course, pay some dividends there. But as a whole, Stevenson might be good. He might turn into a touchdown guy, but if you're going to be relying on a guy in a committee to only score touchdowns, you're going to have a lot of empty weeks. Yeah. I mean, best ball target, quite possibly. I mean, it might be a good best ball guy because he could have a week where he's got two touchdown carries. Um, they may be from one yard out, but I mean, you know, whatever. He could put a couple of touchdowns on it. Uh, speaking of running Isn't back... The, no, I was going to say, isn't the main goal line running back on the Patriots Cam Newton, though? <laughs> Why? And not if he's not starting, right? Get, what's that, Eddie Murphy? I'm thing? saying, but when Newton's going to start, you're going to have some problems there because you know Newton's going to run that classic quarterback sweep they ran a lot last year. That's true. Check down King. Check down King. Watch the running back. Uh, <laughs> speaking of watching the running back, uh, Najee Harris, there was a lot of speculation on him going into this season. And, and we have one preseason game now under our belts with Najee Harris. Is this the opportunity for two. us? Oh, I'm sorry, two. Yeah, they, they played the first game. <sighs> Man, it's hard to keep up sometimes. Uh, but now that he's got two games under his belt, um, what are we thinking about Najee Harris? Are we moving him up? Are we moving him down? Are we staying the same? Um, what are we doing with him, Scott? Well, I'm still remembering the Hall of Fame game because I had the under. So, of course, I'm not going to forget a bet that I won. But looking at the actual breakdown on Harris, I loved him in college. I feel like everybody did. He has, I think his greatest quality or attribute is his balance. It's He has a Kamara effect where he's able to just bounce off guys and really just stay up relatively easily, which I do think translates well to the next level. Having said that, I wasn't really that high on him this year, and that's mostly because of the fact that we both agree Pittsburgh's offense is going to stink. And I don't really want to be involved in an offense that has a quarterback I can trust and also a brand new offensive coordinator. So I kind of want to take a wait and see approach with Harris in the preseason. Have I seen anything? No, but that's expected because they said that they were going to play Harris in every game for some reason. I don't really know why, but the point is, is that they're limiting his touches in each game. So I'm not expecting to see many carries per game. You might see two carries like the game that he just had or seven in the first game or something like that. I don't expect to see many flashes or wow moments from Najee Harris because the priority is keep the guy healthy. So that's kind of the main point when you know he's going to be the starter, unlike some of the other names that we throw out there who are fighting for spots in the depth chart. But I think Harris is good. I think in a PPR, he has some value. If you think that Ben Roethlisberger's arm is completely cooked, but do I want to really target him or am I moving him up because he stayed healthy in preseason? No, I think he'll be okay, but I don't trust Pittsburgh's offense and I'm not going to get involved. 
Yeah, and this is yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, so this is this is one of those situations where somebody can look at box scores and somebody can look and see, you know, the the folks that are 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 casual drafters that don't get in the weeds too often, and they didn't see the flashy preseason from a guy like Najee Harris, and so they may write him off and be like, ah, well, you know, he didn't do good in the preseason, so I'm not going to take him. So what we're trying to what we're trying to do for you is is tell you that yes. He didn't do well in the preseason, but that's because he didn't get a lot of chances in the preseason. So if you were down on Harris because you didn't see flashes from the preseason, understand that his usage wasn't going to be there and it was never going to be there. So uh, for me, I I still think that there, if you want to take and if you feel like Najee can be a Le'Veon Bell-esque type of a guy, okay, but I still don't see it. I, like you, Scott, still think this Pittsburgh uh, offense is just going to be... I, I don't know why Ben decided to, to keep one more year in because I feel like at this point, he's hanging on to a memory. And he, I, I, I don't know. I just don't know how effective he's going to be and how effective that offense is going to be. And by, by proxy, then Najee Harris probably won't reach his full potential this season. Um, as a dynasty piece, sure. Because who knows, maybe Rudolph is next in line. Maybe they get a a quarterback next season. And then Najee goes through the roof. But as of right now, um, I'm not going to move him up. I'm not going to move him down because I didn't have him very high in the first place. But he's one of those guys that, uh, that I'm not targeting at all, really. Yeah, I agree. Now, you asked why Big Ben came back. I'm going to give you a follow up question that kind of answers it. Did the check clear? Yeah. I mean, you're that's kind of why he came back. I mean, know, he took a right. pay cut, but still, yeah, he's getting paid a lot. Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, you're right. I mean, listen, I, I have always said 100 that I could be, I'd be the happiest bench rider in NFL history if they just gave me one check for four hundred fifty thousand dollars and told me, hey, guess what? You are a backup uh, place kick holder. That's all you're gonna do, and you're gonna back up that guy. So that would be me. I'd be happy with that. Um, somebody who's not gonna be happy too long as a backup and you know this because i feel like i I don't know that i've seen enough out of out of trey sermon to move him up um but there's certainly a lot of folks that think that trey sermon deserves to be moved up in rankings but i want to know scott where do you fall on the trey sermon uh line well you said some people you can call them out by name it's adam (laughs) adam's the one who's on board with trey sermon you made me spit my i'm not really on (laughs) Yeah, sorry about that. I'm not re- I'm not really on board. I recognize the fact that he was a relative, let's say late bloomer at Ohio State. He didn't really do much to, in the beginning. Then he had that record performance against Northwestern in the conference title game and then people realized, you know, he's actually pretty good if you give him more touches and that kind of carried over into the college football playoff. Having said that, did he really wow me in the first preseason game? No, he averaged about what he averaged 2.9 yards per carry. He had nine carries for 26 yards. Sure. Uh, he also had two receptions for 14 yards. It's okay, I guess, when you're going to be competing with the likes of Mostert, Gallman, and company. Do I think he's going to get touches? No. Do I think that he might at some point in the season? Maybe. But if Mostert stays healthy, we can agree that Mostert is by far and away the most talented back on this team. And it's not even close. I'm a huge Mostert guy when he's healthy. We know how good he is. The issue has been staying healthy. Plus, I'm not going to forget about Jeff Wilson Jr. We did a very good job of filling in for Mostert last season. The problem I have with Sermon is that unlike Pittsburgh, when it comes to taking a rookie running back, in this case, in San Francisco, there are too many mouths to feed, and I don't think he's going to get fed. So do I have any interest in Sermon? No, unless on the waiver wire when Wilson Jr. and potentially most are get injured but until then i'd rather focus on guys with i'd say less running backs in front of them on the depth chart yeah and so here's the thing about sermon like i and i i said to i don't even remember who it was at this point but i just said that the 49ers decided to just say yes and take every single running back that they possibly could on draft day and and even signing free agent wise so for me what i saw out of trey sermon in this first game was not a guy that wanted it he just didn't look like he could hit the hole the way you want a running back to hit the hole like he ran into the line and that was it. It was like a two-yard two gain, and there was no real explosiveness. Now, 
I mean, maybe I'm watching the film wrong. Maybe somebody could show me exactly where I'm wrong as far as Trey Sermon's performance. But I did not see anything that made me say, yes, this guy is the future starting running back for the San Francisco 49ers. I saw this guy will work good in a committee if he gets a touch or two a game. Maybe they swing him out. Maybe they they put a gadget sort of package in for him. But I didn't see what I, I seen out of Mostert for the last couple of seasons. Because when you watch Mostert run, that guy just runs with reckless abandon. Maybe that's why he gets injured all the time. But, you know, the guy just runs with pure fury. And I didn't see that out of Trey Sermon. Maybe it was the opening game jitters. But I, I'm, I'm actually going to move him down. Uh, I already had him low, but I'm moving him down because I really don't see him catching hold for too long on that 49ers uh, backfield. I agree. Truth is, when I was watching him, I kind of got the gist that he literally is just the replacement for Jarek McKinnick. McKiz- uh, sorry, for uh, Jarek uh, I'm, I'm on- McKinnon. <laughs> McKinnon. Sorry, Jarek McKinnon. <laughs> I was merging McKinnon with J.D. McKissick, and I got like really confused with the names there. But yeah, Jarek McKinnon, because remember when San Francisco ended up signing him and people thought he might have some have some snaps, and then people realized quickly, oh, no, like he's not going to touch the ball at all. Like I think that's what's happening with Sermon. I think Sermon might be good in maybe a year or two, plus the left at Elijah uh, Mitchell for some reason out of Lafayette. What's the story there? Is he going to get any playing time? Because they got a lot of faces, and I just don't see it. I think Sermon needed to kind of show something. I'm not going to overact to week one of, of preseason, but he looked pretty ordinary, and he's also not a big body, so it's not like he even has a specialist role with this team. I just think that he's a pretty ordinary back in a backfield with a lot of, I'd say, above-average guys. Yep. Yep. And that, that, like I said, that backfield got crowded quick and it did not empty out at all. And I think, again, when you start looking at who's going to end up there, even Gallman got run. So, all right. We are way past 30 minutes on this one. Uh, let's move on to a, another, uh, well, let's move on to a wide receiver, shall we? KJ Hamler, Denver. Looked okay, right? I mean, this is a guy that we still don't know who's necessarily going to be throwing him the ball come the start of the season, but I think he made a name for himself uh, ever so slightly. I know he only had two catches, but one of them was pretty good. So, Scott, what are we in? Are we out on KJ Hamler? Where are we, where are we moving him in the rankings? Well, I think it's also tricky because you want to keep in mind that he showed signs of chemistry with Drew Locke, who might be the starter, which, of course, is important. Having said that, you also did not have Cortland Sutton playing, which is important because that means that Hamler was going to get more snaps without Sutton actually being in the lineup. I like Sutton a lot. I think Sutton's a very talented receiver when healthy, and people forgot about that because he got injured in, I believe it was the first game last year. But anyway, point is, is that I think Hamler's talented. I watched him in college. I think he's pretty good. But do you trust the quarterback situation in Denver? No. Do you trust the coordinator and the coach situation there? No. Do you really have much faith when it comes to Hamler getting fed in an offense that has Sutton, that also has Judy, that also has Noah Font? Not really. So I think that he showed flashes and maybe he could be a guy if something happens to Sutton as a spot start replacement guy. There are just a lot of really underrated players and pass catchers on that Denver team that I think Hamler is going to be an afterthought. So I'm skip. I'm passing on Hamler. I think he'd be valuable on another team, but I think that Denver actually has an underrated amount of good pass catchers, which is ironic because they have no quarterback. So I think you would agree with me that Hamler is good, but I just don't really like his situation. And and here's the thing about a guy like Hamler. Again, this is this is why we do these shows and these these formats that we do is because you hear Hamler. And you instantly think, okay, this is a guy that I want to start targeting. But you're right. I mean, look, Noah Fant is there. Uh, Cortland Sutton is there. All these guys are there that can take away from a guy like Hamler who flashed in preseason. The overreaction, that's that's why we're doing this show, right? The overreaction to this, because now uh, somebody may say, oh my God, Hamler had uh, two catches for 105 yards and a touchdown in the game. I need to move him up in my rankings because he had a really good preseason game. Well, not so fast. Don't overreact. Understand that that's game one. If you see it in game two with Sutton on the field, maybe you start to open your eyes a little. You see it in the last game with everybody out there. 
okay, maybe now you can start to uh, to think that maybe there's something there. But um, always, always beware when you see stat lines from first preseason game because taken out of context, you could be moving these guys up into the top 10 and they don't even belong in the top 30. So um, I think Hamler's another one of those cases where beware of this stat line. This does not dictate what the future holds for KJ Hamler. When you're sealing on the depth chart is wide receiver three for week one of the regular season. I'm going to pass. Yeah. Yeah. Especially again on a, on a team where the quarterback could potentially be the great and mighty drew lock. I'm not sure I want in on that at all anyways. So, uh, so let's move on to, <laughs> I put this name on there. First of all, Scott, what were you, what were you thinking when I put this name up? I, I'm going to, I'm not going to say the name yet, but I want to know what your initial reaction was when I put this name on the list. My initial thought was, damn, you really hate the starting quarterback for this team. <laughs> Joe Flacco. <laughs> because I read somewhere that, again, we're talking about overreactions, and there are people that are already saying that Joe Flacco is, deserves the starting job. So, Scott, talk me through why people should not overreact to Joe Flacco's performance in the first preseason game. Well, first of all, in case people did forget, Joe Flacco's elite. So you got to keep that in mind when you're breaking down Joe Flacco. But as a whole, he looked good in his first preseason game against backups, which is something you're supposed to do when you have a pretty, let's just say, ton of experience. <laughs> this is one way to put it for him being a veteran. I think that he might have upside if Jalen Hurts gets injured. That's basically it. And even if Hurts gets injured... You know that the Flacco's giving you no rushing yards, so do you really want to invest in him anyway? I know you put this in as kind of a troll or a meme, and I respect that, which is why I gave you the elite response, but as a whole, it's one of those situations where I know you said you were basically fading everybody in the uh, mock draft that we did. You don't like anybody on Philly because you don't really trust the situation, the new coordinator, the rock, paper, scissors recruiting methods. There are a lot of really, a lot of question marks going on, going on in the uh, Philly, yeah, not really much else to add there. I actually think that Philly might have some upside, maybe with a Miles Sanders, because I just think that they might force feed him the ball. But when it comes to Joe Flacco, you only brought him on the team to teach Jalen Hurts some of the ins and outs and maybe day-to-day affairs of being an NFL quarterback. He's purely there for a mentor role. If he's actually on the field, I'm sure the most people that are going to be annoyed is the Eagles front office, because I'm sure they don't want him to see the field at all. No, no. If, they, if Joe Flacco's on the field, yeah, you're right. Their gamble on sending Wentz away and keeping Hurts has absolutely backfired for them. But look, Byer, this is what I'm saying. Like, guys, it, it, Joe Flacco, if you're seeing his name in flashing lights, it's only because everybody is trying to make Joe Flacco a thing. And don't go after that shiny object. I know that you probably are sitting there thinking to yourself, I would never do that. But look, you know, a, a couple of the right people say, that Joe Flacco could start a quarterback controversy in Philadelphia, and and you might buy it, but uh, don't do it. Hertz is the guy, as much as even I don't want to admit it, Joe Flacco is not going to bite into it. His preseason game notwithstanding, even if he puts together two amazing preseason games, Joe Flacco is never going to be any more than the backup in Philly um, unless Hertz gets hurt, in which case then, yes, fire up your Joe Flacco, but... God, I mean, I, I again, I put this name in as a troll, but these are these are the things that some people do. I mean, it's it's not. I'm not out of the realm of of uh, possibility of thinking that maybe somebody goes, "Hey, Joe Flacco's on Philly. I heard he had a really good game. I think I'm going to take Joe Flacco." I'm not saying he's going to win the league, but I want to stop you, the person that's going to do that. Don't do that, please. Don't draft Joe Flacco. The only thing I know is that people who are claiming that he's going to be starting a QB controversy, it could be worse. They could be claiming that Nick and Mullins is supposed to be causing a QB controversy because he might have been the biggest loser in the entire week one of preseason. That was atrocious. You have him and, honestly, both Falcons backup quarterbacks. I don't know if you actually saw that the Falcons quarterbacks combined to go 7 of 21 for like 21 passing yards in the entire game. But Nick Mullins with a very impressive one for five, four yards, two picks. So Joe Flacco is going to cause, I'd say, more QB controversy than that guy 
but not much more than that. As a Niner fan, I I can relate to Mullins. I just I know I know I've been there before, but ah. how did Bethard not play sooner for the 49ers last year? It was obvious. It was so obvious. I was calling for Bethard every week. Everybody was calling for Bethard. I mean, we all knew that that nobody was going to be Jimmy G, and even Jimmy G wasn't Jimmy G. But I mean, yeah, when when you saw Mullins, it just you knew that there had to be something else out there. You just you knew it. But this is not a 49er podcast. Uh, we are now reached the end of our ten uh, players. We, I mean, again, these names overreactions in one way or shape or form to, to week uh, one of the preseason fantasy. Uh, uh, well, I say fantasy season, but the real season <laughs> fantasy season hasn't started yet. Uh, but we just want to bring these names to your attention just to make sure you understand that um, while week one may have been good and or bad for these guys, um, there's still two more weeks left, right? And we'll be overreacting to week two. We'll be overreacting to week three. Hell, we'll be overreacting well into the middle of the, the season. So there's plenty of overreactions to go. Uh, but we just wanted to make sure that you understood the reasoning behind why we're overreacting or underreacting to these folks as we always do. So Scott, why don't we uh, go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you on social media. So that way they can follow all of your hot takes and let them know what you do for, for everybody. Well, first of all, before I get into that, I'm actually kind of upset that you chose Flacco instead of another potential troll Ooh, choice. Hit me, hit me. Perhaps a guy who ended up going, yeah, perhaps a guy who went 16 of 22 last week for one touchdown, no picks, QB rating of 108.3, passer rating. You know what I'm talking about? No, hit me. I want to. No. I, I watched a lot of Dwayne CFL Haskins. too. So. Dwayne, oh, that's right. Dwayne Haskins. Yes. Yes. But are, are, we, are we moving him? That's what I want to know. Or do we think that he's going to take over Fitzpatrick's job or what? It's a great question. Uh, no. <laughs> but I'm in for the jokes. I'm in for the jokes if you really aren't sold on Rudolph and whatever. But you mentioned Flacco having a great game. I thought that uh, Dwayne Haskins would have been a funny addition too. But anyway, to answer your original question, uh, you, you can find me on Twitter at Reichel Radio, R-E-I-C-H-E-L Radio uh, on Twitter. I'm doing a lot of editing for SGPN. I actually just also posted a fantasy football article on an early quarterback strategy so if instead of relying on Joe Flacco in the 15th round, if you want to take a Josh Allen or, or a Kyler Murray early on and you're not really sure what the strategy you should use after that or before that, I got you covered there. So check out that piece on the SGPN website or the app. Other than that, though, be keeping busy. I got a podcast uh, called Winners and Winners Radio that's on Spotify now and on YouTube. So if you want to check that out, daily uh, sports betting breakdown, stuff like that, check that out. Other than that, though, uh being the breaking case of emergency guest on this podcast. I love it. One of the hardest working men on the internet. And of course, in this industry, Scott, thanks again for joining us. And we are going to call this session of the SGPN fantasy football podcast to a close. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you all for listening. And again, uh, just want to thank you all for being a part of this ride. We're getting so close to the season. All this preseason stuff can be done. We'll finally start talking football, actual, actual, actual football. And uh, this show will probably get a lot more fast and furious. Again, follow me on Twitter at RJ Gomez. Find this show anywhere you find your podcast. And more importantly, on the SGPN app where you can find all of the network's podcast, all of our picks, and everything the SGPN has to offer. Once again, thanks for joining us. And until next time, for Scott, for me, let it ride. Let it ride.